In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece from our new metastatic issue. I'm recording this for you on Halloween. I know you're listening to it a little ways out, but I'm excited because this is our eighth annual NBC issue, and today's guest is the very first writer that we are hearing from, from this issue. So my guest today is Alyssa Sagong. She is an artist and a thriver. Alyssa recently retired from a career in public media education to channel her creativity for her health, her family, and artistic mischief. She lives in the Kettle Moraine region of Wisconsin, shaped by the Ice Age glaciers, with her husband and their two teenagers. When Alyssa was 38, she was diagnosed with stage 3C IDC that was hormone positive. And then a few short years later, when she was 41, Alyssa experienced a metastatic reoccurrence and is now living with stage 4 breast cancer. Alyssa says you will often find her with pockets full of stones and cedar twigs, dreaming new ideas into being. I love that. Hey, Alyssa, welcome to The Burn. Hi, April. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so excited about today's uh, story and our chat. So as I just said, you're reading from our 2023 metastatic breast cancer issue with the theme Lessons Learned. And the essay that you wrote is called Listening to Trees. All right, Alyssa, I'll let you take it away. Listening to the Trees. With a bob and wave of green needles, the branch of the young white pine calls me out of the house. We planted her last year outside our living room window, and she is home to a robin's nest already this spring. The branches invite my hand every time I walk near. The soft, long, slender bundles of needles trace the inside of my palm, and I breathe a little bit deeper. Listening to the trees is easier when I slow down. I've always proudly worn the title tree hugger. Who in the world could possibly resist the embrace of a cedar tree anyways? At the same time, I spent most of my life presenting as an extrovert with humans, many of whom I have hugged too. Maybe it was the stage three cancer diagnosis that began the retreat a little more inwards, but the pandemic facilitated and protected a smaller scope of contact for me as I emerged from a year of aggressive treatment. Just a few years later, receiving a stage four diagnosis at 41 years old broke open my heart in such a specific way that I sometimes find myself unable to communicate with anyone who hasn't also had their heart cracked apart enough to let the flood of grief and light wash between us. 
The trees are beings that understand somehow. The trees exhale, they stand witness, and they are able to hold all of it with me and expand my perspective. Cedar. The old growth cedars in Oregon crane my neck upwards as I follow their expanse into the canopy. When I stretch my arms around a grandmother tree, my eyes close, and I inhale the fertile musk of fern-laden haven around me. I feel roots anchoring me. Flora Boley, the caretaker of this land, encourages the following experiment. Sit with a tree, a pen, a notebook. What might the tree say to you? Listen, document it. I tuck myself into the roots on one side of this benevolent giant and open my journal, waiting quietly, allowing, and I write. Slow down, soften, rest. Feel the nourishing energy of the earth rise up to support you, sap in your veins. Be tender and patient with yourself and with others. Time expands, and there are all the moments that you need. You are healing, and I am your witness. Water my roots with your tears. Refill your well with my scent and carry it home. Rooted and wild under the same moonlight, bathing in the same sunlight. Rest in this love. Wisachi. Scrambling up the red dirt path to the top of a sun-kissed mountain in central Mexico, a gnarled Wisachi tree invites me to sit in some shade and bring my breath and heart rate back to even motion. I don't know these trees like I know the trees of more temperate forests, and my rest gives me time to marvel at this being covered in an explosion of tiny, delicate yellow pom-poms, along with imposing and fierce long thorns. I trace this new friend's roots. They form a weathered triangle on the hard-packed, rocky soil. I take the pocket-sized sketchbook out of my waste pack and a pen. I do not cradle you. I challenge you with fierce compassion to endure. Grow exceptional roots. Take nutrition from minerals left by magma millennia ago. Protect yourself so that the tender, delicate green parts can drink sun and starlight and erupt into delight, a light-filled celebration that is hard-won and ephemeral. Extremes can coexist and even harmonize. What delicate celebration might erupt in you? Olive. My friend drives the tiny stick-shift car around the winding roads of western Crete, while I navigate to the place we read about. We are embodying the young woman we were 21 years ago when we road-tripped across the U.S. after college, but so much softer now and growing wiser together. She had built this adventure for us to mark my retirement and our two decades of kinship with one another. Both of us awakened to the preciousness of our lives through my journey with cancer. Our skin golden and glistening with sweat in the afternoon heat, we are astonished as we approach the oldest olive tree in the world that is still producing fruits. Ilya Vuvan, the ancient olive tree of Vouvais. Expecting a barrier, we find instead an invitation in the pathway to walk right up to her. The sign asks you not to climb, but you can rest your hand on her weathered trunk and marvel at the abundant leaves, the growing fruit, 
the windows through the trunk where the heartwood has long been lost to the centuries. I go back to the car and return with my journal and a pen. We sit in reverence on the carpet of brown, leathery, oblong leaves and listen. Sweet one, timeless kin, you don't yet know patience. Endurance emerges from a place of the deepest rest, the acceptance and honest collaboration with life. Words are too simple, imprecise. Witness life, cicada symphonies, the other beings that approach, some with wonder and others' detachment. The sea, stones worn smooth, your kin. Hold and alchemize it into yourselves and see what emerges. There is so much to learn. There is no hurry. Back home, I read these words and feel a sacred comfort in the memory of quiet exchanges and dappled light. Outside my living room window, once again, I greet the young white pine. My husband assures me that he has provided some extra water for the trees in our yard during a too dry summer. We planted more trees in stubborn hope that despite the challenges of establishing new roots in adversarial droughts and polar vortex winters, these beings will survive and thrive in our care. Right now, we are nearly the same height, and I hope to see these long, soft needles tower over me one day to rest my back against a wide trunk with a notebook and reflect on our growth. I soften, rest, endure, and witness life, supported and free. Mm. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for that, Alyssa. Okay, we are going to dig into your story, but first we are going to take a little break here. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Nell Patresha. I live in London and in 2021, I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer at the age of 37. I recently attended a free wildfire pop-up writing workshop for the young breast cancer community. The workshop was incredible, just the salve I needed. I've been finding it tough to do life now that I'm out of the danger zone. And this workshop has really brought a lot of comfort being in the company of fellow cancer warriors. Oh, thank you, Nell, for that testimonial. Thank you so much. All right, turning back to you, Alyssa, thank you so much for your powerful, powerful story. There's so much goodness to dig in this uh, with you. So thank you so much. 
So I want to start by, you know, asking you, I get the sensation or the impression rather that you have loved trees your whole life. And so I want to ask if you remember the first tree that really called to you. I'm wondering if it was maybe in your yard as a kid or, you know, a park or what what was the first tree? I love that question, April. I hadn't thought about that before. But as you asked, the first thing that came to my mind was the house that I grew up in. There was an enormous weeping willow tree that sort of dominated the the yard and the landscape. And so I did grow up with a really large tree with a wide embrace and spent a lot of time picking up sticks in the backyard as well and looking at that tree. Um, I love that. Yeah, I feel like a little slideshow is just playing in my mind of getting to see the redwoods for the first time, of seeing cedar trees on the shores of Lake Michigan. Um, Those gentle giants, I I think, are just always present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your story really speaks to me because I also find a lot of comfort in trees. I am in California, so we do have the redwoods here. And um, I find myself just constantly finding messages and lessons to be learned amongst these trees. And um, a couple years ago, I went to Joshua Tree for the first time. And I was remembering that as I listened to your story about, you know, encountering trees that are stranger trees, you know, and I mean, stranger, just like unknown to us, like we're not used to being around them. And I remember feeling like, what is this? What is this strange Joshua tree? And what does it have to share with me or tell me? And it sounds like that's kind of how you go about the world and in your travels is is talking to trees. <laughs> well, especially more recently, you know, I do think some of the things that I talked about in that that piece of feeling like some of my former extroversion uh, changed a little bit in, mm. in the past few years that, um, that has also helped me slow down and be a better listener. Mm. And so I think things that I, I took for granted or would maybe in the past have bubbled over with curious questions, whether it was to a park ranger or to Google or whatever, um, to actually really just stop and take the time to get to know a tree or a flower or another kind of plant on its own terms by really actually observing and quieting mm-hmm. um, versus the flurry of kind of external chatter. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if this is um, a, a familiar feeling for you, but I remember when the pandemic first started here in California, we were starting to roll into spring, you know, in early March. And as we moved into April and everything started just blossoming and the grass was growing and, you know, nature was going about its business like like everything was normal, that really gave me pause, I think, for the first time and really noticed how largely inconsequential humans are to nature doing its thing, to the trees growing and they have their own timeline and their own um, wisdom. And I found that really, really comforting. Is that is that a similar thing for you with the trees? That definitely resonates for me also, you know, to be 
could be standing with a tree like that one in Crete that they think is around 4,000 years old. Um, that really changes that sense of the three-month timeline from scan to scan, mm -hmm. right? It's just like a blip in the um, the cosmic timeline of of nature and growth where, where life persists. Yeah, yeah. Have there been messages that you've received from the trees, you know, as you're sitting with your journal and really, you know, being a part of, of the listening? Have there been some messages that you've resisted or maybe didn't hear for a while? You know, anything surprising? Well, gosh, for all that I write that the trees are telling me to be patient, I still am working on that. <laughs> I will tell you, I don't know if it's a resistance, but... The illusion of control has been a really hard one for me to give up. I love that illusion, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think I need to hear it again and in many ways and formats from teachers, human and non-human. Yeah. Um, those messages of slowing down, of listening to my body, um, of kind of putting the, the brain aside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like how you put that. So I don't know. It's like both are true, right? right? Like it's it's a resistance, but it's also uh, uh, appreciation for, I might need to hear it again in mm -hmm. another way. Yeah. So you didn't write about this so much, but I'm thinking about trees in terms of legacy. I recently had the opportunity to hike to a tree here in um, in Santa Cruz, California called the Sentinel Tree. And it was a redwood that was um, estimated to be about 2,000 years old that fell in 2017 during the winter. And I hadn't had the opportunity to hike out and see it on the ground. Um, I'd seen it when it was up. But the thing that kind of struck me as I was walking and feeling kind of sad for this tree and sad for us that this tree had fallen was when I got there... There was um, information from the rangers uh, about the legacy of the tree, not just being it being upright and what it brings to the forest, but also now as it's laying on the ground and will take about 400 years to decompose, what it will be giving to the forest on the ground. And that that just gave me a lot of hope, you know, for what what we tend to think of as um as legacy is different, you know, and, and it's just a change with this tree. It's not the end of its story. Do you think about that when you're in the forest and, and trees are dying? Absolutely. I mean, I think nature is one of our greatest teachers in that way. And, and what you described, the, um, you know, of course, we're thrilled with trees that are ancient and old and, uh, the the end of them standing upright is not the end of that that cycle of life and that reminder that the energy just keeps moving and transforming all of mm -hmm. the time and that's certainly a beautiful metaphor for what might be possible with our human lives too mm -hmm. yeah so you're living with metastatic breast cancer and that was um the theme of this issue that you were published in and we we're talking about lessons learned 
And there was a line in your piece where you said, just a few years later, receiving a stage four diagnosis at 41 years old broke open my heart in such a specific way that I sometimes find myself unable to communicate with anyone who hasn't had their heart cracked apart enough to let the flood of grief and light wash between us. And I just wonder if you could say a little bit more about that. Sure. You know, April, I I think so many times in this experience of um, breast cancer, I, I almost feel like I'm standing at a crossroads of a choice in reacting with sort of brittleness and isolation or with softness. And, um, and I have really noticed that, um, people who have also had very hard challenges in their life, which can come from a variety of circumstances and experiences, um, if they've chosen the road of softening too, there is this ability that I think we can have to be able to hold each other's grief and joy that kind of come in the same package. Um, and it's hard to describe, but I, I have experienced it with, you know, friends who have, have lost a loved one or have, have had their own hardships with illness or with children. Um, I think feeling that and allowing it to soften that so much can move through those those cracked places. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I feel that too. Absolutely, mm, such good stuff. So we are nearing the end of our discussion. It always goes by so fast, um, but I kind of want to bring it back to the theme of trees and nature as healing modality. Um, and spiritual practice. And I wonder if you have any advice for anyone inspired by our conversation who maybe hasn't sat with trees or been kind of in the habit, I guess, of using nature as as healing. Do you have any advice for for getting out there? My advice would be to maybe play with two different ideas. One is to um, spend some time with a tree that is nearby you know, maybe there is a tree in your backyard or at a park or some one that you may walk past all the time and not really stop and and look closely at. Um, I think that there's a lot right right here in our own neighborhoods and backyards that um, kind of become the things that we don't look at as hard. But then the other part is when you go away, I mean, for me, sometimes travel strips away the clutter of my daily life and allows me to pay closer attention that then I can try to bring back home to the um, human and non-human living things in my neighborhood. Um, so I, I think probably different people need those different entry points, but I would encourage experimenting with both the the local and the um the new mm-hmm. oh i love that i love that advice so much and this just the openness to letting trees be guides in this crazy difficult unpredictable life you know these trees that i've seen so much and been here day in and day out mm. yeah well what happened if you just uh try to shut down that inner 
dialogue as best you can. And I I feel like the blank page is sometimes intimidating for people, but it's like not overthinking it right. and just letting the words come without judging them. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's a, a big part of it. Just letting things flow. Mm, I love that. Well, Alyssa, if people want to find you or learn more about you online, are you open to followers? I'd be glad to meet all of you. Are you on Instagram um, primarily? And what's your address? I'm on Instagram and my address is Reverie Alone Will Do. And I'm also working on a new project with the same friend that I drove around Crete with that is going to be called Temple of Kinship that is endeavoring to support metastatic survivors and their best friends with retreats, hopefully next year. Oh, I am so amazed and loving that. Uh, We will definitely be following along. So we will link to you in the show notes and look forward to hearing more about that as that develops. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here with me, Alyssa. Everyone, you can find Alyssa's piece, Listening to Trees, in the 2023 Metastatic Breast Cancer Issue, Lessons Learned. Thanks again for being here with me, Alyssa. Thank you so much, April. And thank you for all the work you and the Wildfire team do. It's such a treasure and I appreciate what you do so much. Thank you. Well, you guys, I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young people like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's discussion. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. If you want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories, Please visit us at wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode. You'll find our 46 issues in the Wildfire Archives now, and you can take a writing workshop with me. There is no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And if you got value out of today's conversation, please share it with your friends and family. You can take a screenshot of the episode in your pod player or use the share button there. And if you do share it, please tag me. I'm Wildfire BC Community, and you can tag Alyssa as well at Reverie Alone Will Do. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, please take a moment and leave us a five-star review. All right, you made it to the writing prompt. This is a three-parter I've got for you today, and you'll set your timer for eight minutes on each part. Let yourself write without editing or stopping. So part one, the places I go to hide. The places I go to hide. Part two, the places I go to recharge. The places I go to recharge. And part three, the places where I lose track of time. The places where I lose track of time. So set your timer, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. And if you like writing with a good prompt, I've got more for you at wildfirecommunity.org slash free. Head on over, get the prompts you need. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.